Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Beautiful morning out there. The light's starting to rise over Squaw Peak. That means the days are getting a little bit longer. And looks like the forecast from Mr. John this morning was a little warmer as well, too. You know, some of us had some pretty decent frost this week out on the pumpkins. I mean, good thing they weren't planted yet anyway. Anyway, welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We could talk about your landscape dreams, your nightmares, what to grow, how to grow it, where to grow it, why to grow it, how to use water. And if you're doing something different at home, we'd love to hear from you. You know, we have such a wonderful, diverse population now, people from all over the planet and lots of different things to grow, whether it be in the line of food, fruits and vegetables, or, you know, all kinds of exotic plants we can grow here. And we are in a subtropical climate, but that doesn't mean we don't freeze. And, uh, you know, for those of you out in Queen Creek this week, hey, it was in the 20s. But uh, anyway, you know, beautiful morning out there. Great time to uh, get out and explore the deserts. Get ready for the big, you know, like John says, the big golf tournament then followed by Super Bowl. So uh, it's always a big week here in the Valley. Anyway, welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We can talk about everything from what to prune right now while we still have the chance. I mean, it's we haven't grown much yet. You know, the weather's been plenty cold. And so, you know, if you've got things deciduous, you want to cut back your ashes, your elms, your pistachios, all those kind of things. Today is the day. Now is the week. Get the pruning done because 80 degrees will bring buds. And, uh, you know, it's better to prune before plants bud out. So if you can get after those projects, now is the perfect time. And that goes for roses and blackberries and uh, anything pretty much deciduous that you want to prune. We could also prune all the heavy, you know, the hardy evergreens, too. If you have pine trees or junipers or maybe some live oaks around that you want to shave up before the season, now is the perfect time to do so. Well, we start off with wide open phones. We have Julia back here smiling. Give her a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And uh, like I said, whatever your style is, there's a lot of beautiful plants that are native here to our Sonoran Desert, you know, especially things like Ocotillos and, you know, and then all of our great cactus here, you know, we have the red barrels, the fire barrels here. You know, combined with the big saguaros, of course, and some of our fantastic desert trees. You don't see many other deserts either. Our state tree, the Palo Verde, and uh, several different species growing here in Arizona. But uh, also ironwood trees are one of my favorites. Uh, And then we have the improved varieties, things like an American mesquite, which is a hybrid. You know, it's it's just a true Arizonan. Basically, it was here first as Arizona mesquite, then a Texan blew in, and then next thing you know, we had somebody show up from Chile and Argentina. Now we have a four-way hybrid. Hybrid mesquite, and it, you know what the good part about uh, you know genetic variation and, and comp, you know compilation is, is that we get uh, plants that um, have different characteristics than everything else, and uh, can be a lot sturdier. We all, also could talk about citrus season. Yes, the tangelos are finally ripe, and we're out harvesting tangelos right now. And if you've never eaten a good mineola tangelo. You know, we'll have some at, uh, well, this week they're going to be at Sprouts already. And uh, then we'll get some over to uh, the Fry's guys, but um, not Fry's, but Albertson Safeway. And uh, you can tell the Arizona tangelos because they're dark orange, bigger, and they're going to taste a lot better. They're ripe right now. Anyway, four lines still open. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Tom and Gilbert, good morning, Tom. 
Good morning. It's a beautiful day out there. It is. It's nice to see the sunlight just breaking and, you know, the world's starting to wake up. You know, you say you want to water your trees down three feet. Would it be better to go down three feet and water and let the water come up rather than put it on top and let it work down? Tom, it depends on your soil, but typically no. And the reason why no is because what we want to also do is flush the salts out. And uh, so okay. for us to alleviate the salts, like when we water our citrus grove out in Hyder with our fairly salty water we have there, um, we want to push the salts away from the tree. So there what we do is we have two drip emitters, and they're pretty close. They're about a foot apart on either side of the tree. And as we put the water in the, from the surface, it pushes the salt away. And you can go out in our rows to where the water pushes on the outside edges, um, six or seven feet away, and you can see the salt layer. And it's kind of a black salt, we call it, down there in the desert. And so by watering, oh. by watering on the surface and letting the water split away from the trunk, and from that matter, by having the irrigation closer to the trunk instead of further away out by the drip line, like some people may recommend, you're actually pushing the salts away from our trees. And, and this time of year, uh, our water's really good. You know, we're using a lot of river water this time of year, and so the pH is like 7, 7, 2. I mean, it's really good water, 7, 4. But when we kick all the wells on here in the valley in the summertime, and especially with soil like Gilbert that's heavy clay, and we want to push that salt away, we need to start the irrigation close to the surface, close to the trunk, and let push the salt away from the tree. Never thought about that. Well, unfortunately, when we're farming, we have to. <laughs> You know, if all of our water came through like our river water does this time of year, it would never be a concern. But, you know, especially with a soil like Gilbert, because if you put water down below, it would actually push the salts up into the root zone. That makes sense. Well, it's, it's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. You know, Tom, one, well, one thing about it, when you're cooking or gardening or landscaping, there's a lot of theories, there's a lot of ideas. It's a good thing we don't all love the same woman or the same plant. And, uh, well, that's true. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of diversity out there. So there's lots of different ways to do things. But uh, okay. in my experience with, with growing things here in the desert, uh, we, we found that we need to, you know, tend to overwater in the summertime. But it's really a matter of watering for a long time deep to push those salts away. And, um, you know, the salts will come to the surface and they will move, you know, opposite of which, where the water source is from. So, you know, it's even like watering. You know, see people that want to water out by the drip line of a tree. Well, the problem is you're pushing the salts back into the tree. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I I water with the soaker hose. Mm-hmm. Would it be better to put it closer to the tree than out at the drip line? Well, it will, and it would especially be better in Gilbert. You know, because Gilbert, you have very heavy soil, so the water's not going to move that fast, you know, in the soil. And um, so if you would put it closer to the tree, you know, say maybe on a big tree, maybe two or three feet away and just a circle around the tree, then as the water goes out, it'll push the salt away from the tree. Hey, that that, that cures my problem. <laughs> well, you don't need as long a hose that way either, Tom. <laughs> That's just what I was thinking when you said that. <laughs> Well, Tom, thanks for being our first caller this morning. You know, it's some some mornings it's kind of tough to break the ice. We appreciate you doing so. Hey, not a problem. I like the information. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Have a nice weekend. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, now that Tom's gone, we have wide open phones. Gia back here smiling. You need to give her a call. She's looking lonely back there in the studio. And and she's really quite friendly and nice, too. You can call her at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And uh, plenty of things to do. And it's a good time of year to do a lot of things.
But it's it's a great time to plant trees, especially deciduous trees and hardy evergreens. Now, as as we talked a little last week about the old bold farmers, you know the frost. Uh, you know, we kind of warned last week that it's not necessarily gone. And, you know, from some parts of the valley, there was a little freeze this week. And so you, we do have to be mindful that it can freeze all the way up into March. But historically, you know, our traditional uh, last frost date is going to be February 15th. So that means that gardening seasons here, if you want to plant vegetables like, you know, tomatoes and peppers and the frost tender things, or maybe start some watermelons from seed, you know, we're getting around the time to get the soil all prepped. So now you want to get out, turn your soil over, maybe add a little gypsum to it. And uh, if you want to go organic, you could put in chicken manure, fish emulsion. You could even throw an old catfish in there if you wanted to and, and build up that garden soil. But uh, you, we want to get it going because it will be time to plant, you know, pretty much everywhere. Maybe maybe not have to be as cautious after a couple of weeks. You can plant now as long as you're willing to stake up and cover. Uh, let's see. Next up, we got Tim and Anthem. But after Tim, we have open lines. The number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. Thanks for taking the call. I um, question about uh, some Japanese boxwoods that I planted uh, about four years ago. Put three of them in a row to form a little hedge that'll block a little electrical box in the front yard. And uh, they've been doing well ever since, growing well. And then uh, this last sort of the end of the year, so I planted three of them, and the one in the middle uh, started showing on one of the main branches. It turned kind of rust brown, and uh, over some period of time there, it it uh, it looked like it wasn't going to make it. And so I, I cut that one off, and the rest of it was green, even showing some new growth. And then now in the last few weeks, uh, about a month or so over that period of time, another one of the main branches coming up on the opposite side is uh, doing the same thing. So I guess twofold question. One, my suspicion potentially is that there might be a dog taking care of its business or something <laughs> on, on, on that, uh, that particular one. And, and would that be possible that it would just take out one branch at a time, the rest of it's green. And then if it's not, and it might be some sort of fungus, which I sort of deduced by looking online a little bit um, uh, some sort of soil fungus or some my concern I guess would be if I take that uh, one out entirely what might I be able to do to the soil or something to re-prepare it for another planting so whatever I plant there next doesn't face the same. Well, Tim, for, for fungus, copper sulfate's probably the easiest thing to use. And it uh, pretty pretty wide spectrum on the funguses it controls. Your dog theory, you know, you could be right on the dog theory. And, and dogs certainly have favorites. And if it's out in the front and they're coming along, and once the first dog hits it, it's, you know, <laughs> every dog in the neighborhood is going to want to get it. Um, you know, to discourage the dog, if you went out at night and you had a rock somewhere else and you went on the rock, maybe the dogs would find the rock instead of the... Uh, a little Japanese boxwood. But the other thing that would help the boxwoods out would be to uh, hit them with maybe some soil sulfur. And that does help pretty well. And then uh, periodically, um, you know, where you're at in Anthem, is it pretty rocky? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, the, the first foot or so is it was turned over and kind of just thrown back together. Mm-hmm. 
Well, if, if you had leach so, it out real well, so by, by just putting a hose and let it run slow there for, you know, an hour or two and, and kind of leach yeah. it out, that would help it. Then come back with some sulfur, a little fertilizer. And, you know, the nice part is spring is on the way, and this is the time of year when something like a boxwood can really recover and grow and fill back in. So I would, uh, you know, be willing to get out and fertilize it right now as well. Right. So, yeah, you're thinking it just should I... Should I cut off that affected branch? I mean, it's getting pretty naked because well, I, yeah, the other it, one was a main it, branch. Yeah, too. I would just prune it back um, to where you have some healthy, vigorous wood, and go ahead and fertilize okay. it. Hit it with some extra soil sulfur, and uh, you know, be mindful of the dog. I, I don't know a way of really once a dog starts on something, discourage him unless you give him a better alternative. If you have a dog in a right. rock and you could put it out a little closer to the street and get your dog to go on the rock and you know two or three more, then that'll be the favorite spot. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Good advice. I appreciate it. Good luck, Tim. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Right. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with Glenn and Goodyear. And after Glenn, we've got wide open lines. Give Julia a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. It's Julia and Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. After day, I'm more confused. Yet I look for the light through the pouring rain. You know that's a game that I hate to lose. And I'm feeling the strain. Ain't it a shame? Boys and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Oh, give me the beat, boys And free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Beginning to think that I'm Wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind And I'm counting on you To carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning where we have wide open phones and Julia back here smiling. Now, she's coming up with the great music, but aside from that, uh, we're here to talk. Give us a call at 602-277-5827. We could talk about the landscape or your dreams or your nightmares, or if you're doing something different at home. You know, if you have a special new crop or a way to care for things that uh, is a little unique, we'd love to hear from you. You know, here in the desert, we can grow all kinds of plants. We have beautiful Sonoran native desert plants. We have great tropical plants plants. You know, it's it's fun here to grow things like plumerias. And um, you see an awful wide variety of more tropicals being growing here now. You, you know, till you didn't see 20 years ago. And uh, I've seen papayas with big fruit hanging over backyards and, and all kinds of fun different things. And so there's a lot to try in different styles and different ways to grow things. And if you've got, like say, something unique you're growing or a style or a way to care for it, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'd all love to learn. And uh, there's a lot to learn when it comes to gardening. But the other fun part about it 
it is. It's a lot like cooking. Is it? There's a lot of different tastes. You know, there's lots of different styles. Some people love agaves and aloes, and other want to have a nice green lawn with a, you know, great place for kids to play. Or, you know, it comes to shade trees. We have beautiful tropical trees. You know, ficus trees have gotten real popular. We haven't had many freezes to hurt them. But the ashes and elms and pistachios. Then we go to our desert. You know, all the different acacias we can grow here. So lots of variety, lots of styles, lots of uh, different ways to do it. If you got something special, we would love to hear from you at 602-277-5827. Or if you're having a problem with that something special, we might have an idea on how to grow it. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Jason and Surprise. After Jason, numbers are still open and available at 602-277-5827. Good morning, Jason. Hey, how you guys doing today? Great. How are you? Good. Thanks. Got a question on a tree in my front yard. Uh, it's I, I think it might be an ash tree. I had a landscaper tell me the other day that he thinks it's an ash. Uh, loses its leaves every January, and they grow back in, like, March, I think, March, April. Um, it's A lot of the bark is starting to kind of pull apart from the tree and come off. I don't know if that's just a watering issue or if there could be some other underlying problem with it. Jason, that's typically caused from sunburn. You know, when the tree's canopy's raised up pretty high, the sun comes in on the west side, and it basically cooks the bark in the summertime. Do you have rock around it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you got a lot of reflected heat. Now, the tree, if it's got healthy bark, you know, and a majority of the tree will recover. But one thing you might do is uh, start by planting some ground covers or something to take the reflected heat off the west side. And then it's going to probably pop out some new buds and growth there along where the bark is scarred, the dead side. And where it does, let those branches grow out lower so it can shade and protect itself. And in the meantime, for this summer, just so it can heal, you'd probably want to get a piece of like a white, you know, cotton sheet and just staple it into the ground at the bottom and wrap it all the way up to the trunk to where the limbs start. And that will protect it, you know, from some of the heat this summer until it can develop a big enough cannon to be to protect itself. And and there's one more option. Uh, you can cut the tree down short and let it regrow and cut the trunk off, let it grow back into a multiple trunk tree. This would be the perfect oh. time to do it. And it will grow back with multiple branches and protect itself. Oh, interesting. It does have like, I think it's a latania bush at the base of it. Mm-hmm. So is it? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing if it's stealing all of the water from the tree. Well, it's a good thing probably because it's shading the tree. And if it was, if the canopy was healthy enough in the tree, it will actually win the battle and shade out the lantana. So, okay. you know, if the lantana is real big and healthy, it's it's big and healthy because it's getting a lot of sun. And with ash trees here, they need to be on a very regular watering cycle, especially in the summer. So a good deep irrigation once a week in the summer. And once it starts to leaf out in the spring, probably once every two weeks, if you'll fertilize it before it leaves out in the spring and uh, maybe fertilize it again in mid-April, it'll help it a lot as well. Okay. What kind of fertilizer is best for that? You know, just like a citrus fertilizer, 20, 20, 20, 21, mm. 7, 4, anything, anything but weed and feed's fine. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we've got Tim in uh, Central Phoenix. And then after Tim, we've got open lines, number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Tim. Yeah, good morning, Brian. I, I heard you say it's a good time to start with watermelons and prepping the soil, and I've done that, and mm-hmm. I've never grown watermelons before, but I don't know what variety. I've been in Phoenix for like three years now. Can you grow the big watermelons here? Well, the, I, the you know, ones? down at our farm, Tim, what we did is uh, a few years ago, three or four years ago, we planted mm-hmm. about 20 different varieties of watermelons. 
and um, and they all you know they all grew, and we had moon and stars, and we had you know all these different ones, and um, we had some old varieties like peacocks that we used to grow here. But how we determined the very best watermelons to grow here uh, was not by the size and and not by the look, but it was the flavor. Mm-hmm. And who determined the flavor for us were the coyotes. So there were there were varieties out there watermelons that the coyotes would not touch. I mean, they just wouldn't okay. eat them. They weren't sweet really? enough. But the one that they preferred was called all sweet. And that if you like large watermelons, it's a big one. And if you like seeds, it has plenty of those. But it's a large okay. seeded watermelon that can grow up to about 35 pounds and uh, does particularly well here. But the sugar content mm-hmm. was the best, and that's why the coyotes preferred it. So if you want a watermelon that's big that you can split with friends and family, uh, and all sweets uh-huh. a really good variety. There's a lot of other ones that will, you know, most every watermelon will grow here to some degree. We had some different yellow meated ones and some others that were kind of fun to grow. But the coyotes prefer the all sweets. Okay, now, do you have those in starts at your place? No, but here's the thing you could do with watermelons right now, Tim. It would be the perfect time of year to come in and grab some seeds, and if you want to start your own, just get some, like, four-inch flower pots, you know, the ones that they grow all the angles in. You know, fill them with potting soil and plant the seed right now. So if you plant the seed right now, it'll take it probably about four days to germinate. And you'll come up and you'll make a nice little plant that's going to be about eight inches tall in about two weeks. And two weeks is like the perfect time to plant watermelons in the ground. So you can grow your own from seeds, starting them indoors right now, and get the seed germinated, get them up in a small pot, and um, you know get them ready to go. And by the time that they get up and ready to plant, this would be the perfect time to start the seed at home. Okay, awesome. And you have the all-sweet seeds then? We should have. If we don't, I'll, um, I'll have some out available at the nurseries. I'll just drop some little bags of them around because I've got, yeah. I've got a big supply of them. I'm not sure if our seed racks contain all-sweets or not. But uh, And I can't okay. sell seeds that aren't weighed and packaged you know, legally unless I have a legal scale and stuff. But I can give them away uh-huh. to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Okay, well, thanks again so much, Brian. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Enjoy. Have a good day. You okay, too. Bye-bye. And now we've got Mr. John Roller rolling. Good morning, sir. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Oh, it's, it couldn't get any prettier. We're, we're happy that cold weather from earlier in the week is gone. Man, I'll tell you, it was chilly, especially in the mornings. Uh, but, yeah, we have a warm-up on the way. It's Phoenix Open Week, so uh, lots of uh, out-of-towners coming in to watch golf and all kinds of things going on. So the weather is perfect for planting, correct? Absolutely. And we want to remind people that Julia is going to be here during the break, and you can give her a call at 602-277-5827. And you could be up after John Roller in the news here on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, Sundays from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. A long time forgotten Dreams that just fell by the The good life he promised Ain't what she's living today Really? But she never complains Of the bad times Or the bad things he's done wrong She just talks about The good times they've had all the good times to come She's a good-hearted woman In love with a good time man She loves him in spite 
Welcome back, folks, to this beautiful Sunday morning. We do have some lines available. Number to call from Ms. Julia, 602-277-5827. 277-KTRR. We could talk about your landscaping dreams, your nightmares, or if you're doing something fun or different at home, we'd love to hear from you. Jerry and Tolleson. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I'd say, uh, I don't know about these... Uh, it kind of distresses me with all these, uh, this time of year when the leaves are falling out of the trees and you've got copious amount of leaves on the ground and then you see huge bags set up, uh, filled up with these leaves at the curb, you know, for the garbage to pick up. Well, that stresses me out. But I I have a little remedy mm-hmm. for people that have room. <clears throat> uh, just chop them up with your mower. And they will be fine if you just put them in a in a small uh, circle that I create out of this uh, cement wire mesh, cement uh, slab. You know how they put this wire mesh down. Uh-huh. It's got four-inch spacings, you know, but I cut them down to three, four feet high, and I line it with plastic, and it's where I put in all my <clears throat> my leaves and grass clippings throughout the year. And you know what? I end up with beautiful mulch. It uh, it doesn't require any more work than that. Just keep some water on it. Um, But then my question is, is this uh, called leaf mold, or is it true compost? Well, I mean, depends how you do it. Everything's going to compost and break down over time, Mm -hmm. Jerry. And... um, you know, the the one couple, you know, hints for doing things are if you want it not to smell, you want to keep it aerobic. So that's why we need to oh, turn no, it. Oh, no, it don't ever smell. Well, it depends on how much water on it and how dense it was. But if you'll turn it, you know, that'll keep it aerobic so it won't smell. And the other yeah. thing is if you want to cook it faster, you can add some nitrogen. Yeah. And whether you want I to know. do organic and put some chicken manure on it or if you want to, you know, just use a yeah. little bit of urea or ammonium sulfate, that helps it all cook a lot faster. But, you know, certainly there's a lot to be returned to the soil, you know, whether it be from glass, grass clippings or tree leaves or, you know, any kind of organic material. And if you want to get, you know, big school, you can take a lot of the, you know, vegetable scraps and that kind of stuff, too, and just turn them in the same pile. You know, and organic compost, when it's completely composted and broken down, it's a wonderful product. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jerry, thanks uh, for the reminder know, on them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being a lazy gardener like I am, I just pile in there. I cover it over with one of these... Uh, Kids uh, wading pools, uh-huh. you know those blue things. Just cover it over, and just forget about it. Just uh, you know, keep it wet, and there's never a smell, no flies, no nothing. That's well, and the nice easy. part about the way you're covering it, you know, you're keeping the moisture in too. Jerry, it's yeah. a great idea and a good reminder for all of us that uh, you know we can conserve and certainly utilize uh, all all the green waste from our home and blend it with other oh, things yeah. and make some great compost. Thanks for the call and, and have a nice weekend, Jerry. Hey, you too. Bye-bye. Well, let's see. Next up, we've got Ed in East Central Phoenix. And after Ed, we've got some open lines. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven 277 kcar Good morning, Ed. Good morning. How are you? Excellent, sir. Now, I've got four questions for you. I've got a, uh, a house that's built in 1951 in a subdivision that gets flood irrigation from SRP. And I bought a... Uh, a row of Amtex ash about 10 years ago put on the west side. 
And one of them had a problem and brought it off at the bottom. So I went down to the Southern Avenue place and got another one, replaced it, and now it's got a different problem. The, similar to what your other caller said, the bark is coming away from the, uh, the trunk. So, Ed, what, what's happened? It's gotten sunburned. And um, yeah, it depends on how much of it's burnt, but it, it, it only can't protect itself till the canopy comes out and gets bigger. And uh, and that's going to take some a while because that side of the cambium layer is all dead. And uh, where that's dead, it's not going to regenerate. It will grow back and heal around, you know, once the top gets big enough. So it, it would definitely be a candidate to wrap and protect from the sun because it needs some help. Okay, it's about probably 12 foot tall now between two houses. How big in diameter is the trunk? Um, Probably about four inches. Okay, so it's pretty good size. So it's got the ability to heal fairly fast. But what you'd want to do is you'd want to, like I say, still wrap it and protect it. I take it that the limbs are raised up pretty high, like six or seven feet off the ground? Uh, No, not really. I was standing out there, and it's, it's... Limbs start out about face level, about five foot. Okay. Well, if you the other three trees are in the same location and they don't have any problem, and this one does. Well, once once it gets started burning, okay, and once it gets burnt, you know, and it might have happened not this summer, but the summer before, uh, when we had intense heat. You know, and once it starts to get burnt, that actually outside layer, the cambium layer, dies. Okay, and so it's got to grow back around and, and you know reconnect, and it will do that. It'll it'll repair itself, but it'll take it a couple of years. Okay, okay. The second question: I've got a tree that came up just by itself, probably twenty years ago, and they tell me it's a bottle tree, mm-hmm. tall, thin, and it's got these big pods that fall off every so often. It's not a problem, but one of the the limbs. Uh, probably about you know, two foot long fell off a couple weeks ago, and it's got this crystalline stuff at the base. You know, it's uh, not unusual for a bottle tree to shed limbs like that, and it's kind, it's kind of it's kind of the nature of the tree. And they're a wonderful hardy tree. They I mean, don't require a lot of regular watering. They you know deal well with our climate. And they like the heat. Um, you know, they did have some problem around North Central Phoenix two years ago in the in the real. You know, tough heat that one year when it was August and 110, 115 every day with no humidity. But aside from that, most of them have recovered. You know, they look pretty awful after the summer because it's one of those trees we don't tend to give extra care because it is so hardy. But uh, Mm -hmm. just in in the event that we have that kind of heat again, you know, watering it every couple weeks is a big benefit with a good deep irrigation. Yeah, I guess the the SRP flood irrigation every two weeks in the summer. But this crystalline stuff of the the base of the, the limb that fell off, it looks like rock salt or something. Well, it's probably just sap that's crystallized and got hard there on it. They um, oh. are very susceptible to any kind of a root rot or fungus. So the thing with bottle trees, if you have root rot in your soil, they just die. Mm. You know, they have a big root that goes down like a carrot. So any of those yeah. kind of fungus things, they don't have any resistance at all. And if they get a big fungus problem, it just kills the tree. So it okay. wouldn't be that. I think what you're seeing is just after the limb broke off and shed, probably just some sap that's crystallized and cased up on the end of the limb. Okay. Interesting you mentioned root rot. The third tree is a grapefruit. My grandfather planted as a tangerine about oh, 60 years ago. <laughs> It died back and came up as a grapefruit, and it's been a beautiful grapefruit tree for all these years. Probably get a couple hundred grapefruit. And about three years ago, it started dying off of the top. And I, I had John Eisenhower come out and look at it, and he said it had a root problem. 
And this was uh, back when he had still had the business. And he, he uh, sent his guys out, and they did a root treatment on it. And then I've been fertilizing it with that uh, citrus stuff. But it's still dying back. It isn't getting any better. Um, well, a couple things you could try and do, Ed. Number one is you could take and prune the tree back. This would be a great time of year to do it and reduce the tree size by about a third. Okay, where you're making big cuts on, on limbs that are, you know, over three inches or so. You'd want to seal those guys up. And if that's going to expose a lot of wood on top of the tree to the sun, you'd probably want to mm-hmm. go ahead and paint it with some tree trunk paint on top. And then on your fertilizer program, start doing it, uh, you know, once a month instead of three times a year. So give it some extra fertilizer to grow, and especially, that you know, once a month for the spring so you can get the foliage to fill back in. And then you might want to try and treat the soil with some copper sulfate. And uh, that it could have a little phytophthora, which is a root fungus that uh, is especially harmful to citrus. But it's only it's only getting SRP water. Yes. Okay, yes. And, th- and that's a good cycle for a big tree like that. But after you fertilize, go ahead and give it one extra irrigation after each fertilizer with a hose. Just go out there and spray it in and kind of and push it in a little bit. And I think you'll find it'll regenerate this spring. And you know now's the perfect time to get out there and work with it. Okay, he he told me not to cut the dead off because that provided some shade. But I should go ahead. Well, and it does, it. but the problem is, is we need it's not it's not helping enough. Okay, so we want to reduce the whole size of the tree, and that's uh, going to push out more new growth and cover itself. And that's why we need to paint it when we cut it. Is because yeah. we need to protect it. You know, it needs that coverage for some sunblock. And, you know, you can just get that tree trunk paint. You can, if you like to, you can get the brown one that looks more the same color as the wood. And, you yeah, know, what like- happened with that tree is in the old days, we used to use a lot of grapefruit. You know, like when my grandfather and Wassers were over there, they used grapefruit yeah. for rootstock quite a bit. So the bud died off and it, you know, went back to the rootstock. I'm um, sure that's what happened here. Because it came up with a multiple trunk. Mm-hmm. So. And, um, yeah, I like that brown paint, if that's just as good as the oh, white. It, 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 it'll work fine, but let's say seal the ends of the branches when you cut them, cut off the oh. dead wood, you know, reduce its size by about a third, and put mm-hmm. it on a real regular fertilizer program, and it should come mm-hmm. out and be okay. Okay, the last question that's different on oleanders. I've got a, I had a stand of about oh, 50 foot long of oleanders, must have been 25 of them on the east side, the other side. And they all got that disease and died off. I've got maybe two remaining. And I've been kicking out the stumps. They rot out at the bottom, and I can just kick them out. And I'd like to put oleanders back in, but I'm afraid the same thing would happen to the new ones. Well, it, it certainly could, Ed. You know, and it's it's been very common, especially anywhere in neighborhoods that had a lot of oleanders. And, you know, north-central Phoenix and central Phoenix uh, were areas that they've been there for 40 and 50 years and done quite well. You, you might look at trying to do a sour orange hedge or a different variety. Uh, you could even grow olives for a hedge. Um, and there's a lot of other options. But uh, I wouldn't really recommend oleanders in an area where there's a lot of oleanders around that have had problems. Yeah, my neighbors had the same problem and not near as bad as I did. And he just put some back in one at a time with a different oleander. And I told him that's probably not going to work. Well, it can. You know, the thing about it is if you don't trim the oleanders, if you clean your instruments from plant to plant, you don't have somebody else come back and just mow the whole hedge down because it could easily be spread by pruning. It can also be spread by insects, but probably more by pruning than either way. And uh, yeah. when, when we really saw the problem is after we'd have a freeze or a real hot time in the summer, and that's when they really seem to collapse and die. 
Yeah, I used to cut them all the way down to the ground about every five years and let them come back up new. Maybe that was a bad thing to do. Well, the problem was when you're clipping them, if they were sick and you started clipping them all with the same clippers without cleaning your instruments, you were spreading the, the virus from plant to plant. Ed, th- thanks for the call, and have a nice weekend. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And we're going to take a short break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. While we're gone, we do have a couple lines open. Ron and Glenda will be next. But if you'd like to be after Ron, give us a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTIR. It's Brian and Julia here every Saturday from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM, KTIR. You can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? Can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living, and you know you can't touch this. Look at my eyes, man. You can't touch this. Yo, let me bust the funk lyrics. Can't touch this. Fresh new kids and bands. You got it like that, now you know you wanna dance. So move out of your seat and get a fight go and catch this beat while it's rolling. Hold on, pump a little bit and let the noise go on like that, like that. Well, welcome back. Can't touch this, baby. Beautiful morning out there, and uh, welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. I want to take a minute to invite you out to Whitfield's. You know, Whitfield's was started by my grandparents back in the 40s at our original location at 824 East Glendale, and we continue there today with family for four generations, great friends and great crews, and just a wonderful group of people that I get to, you know, the satisfaction and joy to work with every day. Uh, come out and see us. We deliver and plant trees. We're licensed, bonded, insured. No jobs too big. None's too small. If you need one tree, if you need a thousand, we grow them right here in Arizona. We've got a big farm in Stanfield. You know, we grow some trees down in Yuma County, down around Dayton and Hyder and all those kind of fun places. But if you're looking for trees, any kind, any size, from citrus trees to palm trees to beautiful desert trees to olive trees, whatever your dreams, come out and see us. Like I say, we deliver, plant, and guarantee licensed, bonded, insured. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, you can go to our big farm in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Ron in Glendale, then PJ and Mesa, and then it could be you. The number to call, 602 277 KTAR. Hi, Ron. Hey, what it is. Thanks oh. for the music. Huh? It's pretty good. <laughs> well, it's one you don't hear on the radio every day anymore, anyway. It's, it's the one uh, rap so... song that we can play, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got two, uh, two questions. One of them I bought from you many, many moons ago. I'm pretty sure it's called a Peruvian cactus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably about five foot tall, maybe four foot round. And about a year ago, I think the heat may have had something to do with this. It started, a lot of the arms started getting very brown. Um, and I'm wondering, should I cut off the arms that are brown and they'll grow back? 
or has this thing got some disease? Or I have well, to no, it, it really doesn't have a disease. You know, actually, when you go down past Ajo and you go to the cactus, you know, preserves down there and all the beautiful native ones here, you know, a lot uh, of them have been burnt the same way, you know, in the last few years. And two years ago was really tough. But what you might want to do is just thin out the amount of arms on it. Okay, if some of them look healthier, leave those. And start, right. to, start to water it occasionally, Ron, especially in the summertime. You know, okay. and if, if you'll water it, uh, you know, if it's real hot once every two weeks in the summer, if it's not so hot once a month, uh, that'll make a big difference. And okay. uh, it gets no water at all other than what comes out of the sky. Which well, and, and, and <laughs> it doesn't down in Oregon Pipe National Monument either. You go down there and you see all these beautiful cactus that are native, you know, and yeah. huge portions of them dead because of our drought in the last few years. So just water mm. once in a while in the summertime. It doesn't need a lot. And this past summer should have been pretty good for it. But if you want to all recover right. faster, you know, you can thin it out and prune it. You know, a good time to do that is like in March. And you can go ahead and fertilize it one time. Imagine that. And that little guy well, was gonna, so happy. I was going to go out today and then saw off the dead ones. I mean, they're not yeah. going to come back. Is that no, the thing to not. do or leave Absolutely. them on? Absolutely. No, go ahead and take them off. You know, if you've if you got time, okay. the weather's nice, you know, go cut them off. Right. And while you're out there, just, just throw a hose on it, you know, and, and maybe even just a little bit of fertilizer. All right. Well, that'll be my project for today. <laughs> I did a pop right And the now. other question is, I bought a uh, Chamel Ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, on the second of May of fifteen, so it was it was doing real good. It got up to, I don't know, maybe ten foot tall, and again the heat I think started killing it. So I had to cut off kind of the main trunk. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know, maybe two foot above, and sure enough, all these shoots started coming out of the bottom, and they're up to there's probably ten shoots. They're probably up to maybe five feet. Should I just let that go, or is this going to look like a weird tree with all these shoots coming out of it when it starts to grow? It's going to make a beautiful, natural, multiple-trunk tree. Um, like a bush. Well, it'll start off like a bush, but then it'll grow up with three or four or five trunks. What I would do is thin the number of trunks down, Ron. So okay. I, w- I would leave somewhere between three and five trunks on it and take everything else right. off and keep those pruned. And then uh, okay. a- as they grow up, just kind of let them push up. They'll grow really fast this spring. If you'll fertilize oh, they are right water. now. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll grow really fast this spring. But just thin them down to three to five, whatever you like. And they'll curve okay. out away from each other and make a beautiful multiple trunk tree. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ron. Have a nice weekend. Appreciate the call. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got PJ over in Mesa. But after PJ, we've got wide open phones. Give Julia a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, PJ. Well, hello. Good morning. It's actually DJ. Oh, DJ. Okay. Like like you should take this job over. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So... You might think I'm crazy, but I have a two-year-old mesquite tree in our backyard, and I want to transplant it and take it with us to Kingman. Okay. Is this possible? Well, it depends on what variety of mesquite it is, if it's going to do well in Kingman. Uh, A native Arizona mesquite would do fine. Does it have thorns on it? No, um, and I couldn't tell you what kind it is. She just has been our, she was just a baby sprout and mm-hmm. I'm very attached to her. Okay. And um I was thinking of just cutting back. She got huge. Okay. I mean Define huge. How big how big is huge? Okay. About twenty feet tall. Okay. And how big and how and large the, in diameter is the trunk? Um, let's see. A milk carton. 
Okay, pretty good size, four or five inches. Um, here's here's the thing. Okay, is is when when it goes to Kingman, it's going to be much colder than here. Okay, and there are mesquites that do well in Kingman, but the Chilean mesquite in particular, which has a finer, more feathery leaf and no thorns, won't really enjoy its trip to Kingman. So I would look at it first, and it's going to be a lot of work to move it. So while you can transplant it, you could do it one or two times. You can do it right now before it leaves out, or you can do it after it finishes blooming in like May. And to dig it out, what you would have to do is dig a root ball on a tree that size, probably a minimum of about three feet square and three feet deep. Okay. And we would do it with a, you know, with a box on it, with like a tree box. And probably we would end up putting it in a 42 inch box. So, you know, three and a half feet. And so you'd have to dig all this container around it, band it on there, leave it in the ground for a few weeks. Then you would probably cut the tree down by two thirds in size. And just leave one third of the tree, just the structure back there, okay, and take it out of the ground and move it. Then it's going to require some equipment like a tractor and different things. And I'm afraid that if it doesn't have thorns, you may go through all this work and have it established in Kingman and have it freeze. Yeah, I think you're right. It is the feathery one. Mm-hmm. And it, um, the, the little pods that come out uh-huh. of it, uh, I, I, I did look those up. Those are the traditional flowering like when you can make mesquite flour and stuff. Sure. I don't know if that helps you with well, no, I what mean, kind you, of mesquite you can't really, you know, I'd have to see the leaves on it. And the thing with mesquites is they really hybridize and crossbreed a lot. You know, so there are mesquites that will do well in Kingman. You know, the one we have is an American mesquite because it's got the Arizona native rootstock combined with the Texas honey rootstock. That's a lot hardier, cold hardier variety. But the pure Chilean mesquite is just not as cold hardy. And if, I'm afraid if it doesn't have thorns, okay, the chances are it's probably a Chilean. And you're going to do a lot of work that you might not be rewarded for down the road where you could just go out and buy a little 15-gallon mesquite and uh, have it do better for you. Okay. Now, um, it's it's breaking my heart. I know I I just love this tree so much, but could I possibly take part of her? Do they, can you throw them in water today? No, you can't. Um, But here's what you you could do. You could take a seed off of the tree and plant the seed up there. And in the meantime, you could could cut this uh, mesquite tree down into little limbs, okay? So you could use it for firewood. You could have all your friends and family come over. You could grill some wonderful (laughs) steaks and have the memory, you know, of the tree and then plant your little seed. (laughs) We got a hard break. We got a hard break, DJ. Have a nice weekend. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.